Hi there, I'm your host, Eddie, and you're listening to The Motion, a podcast about examining entertainment law and copyright from an audience's perspective. In this podcast, we'll be covering copyright infringement, music history, intellectual property cases, as well as current legal news and issues in the entertainment industry. I find it's interesting to break down and get into the details of cases and question our current copyright system because it seems like it's not really working for musicians and artists anyway. I started this podcast because I've always been so intrigued by entertainment law. In the music and entertainment industry, the outcomes of trials and settlements can affect the laws and standards that are already in place. And that could change the future of music and film for audiences and artists alike. On this show, we'll be covering historical copyright cases, following current cases and their outcomes to show you how the copyright system is broken. We'll also get into definitions of legal terms, delving into details of record deals, and examining streaming services like Spotify. I want this podcast to be a place to learn about these cases and subjects from an audience and creator's point of view. I want to take a deep dive into entertainment law. As much as I can, I'm not an attorney, but I'll do my best and uncover the details of these cases and laws in this industry and how they affect us. Let's go behind the scenes a bit and see if we can make sense of it all. Let me tell you a story about copyright. This is my worst case scenario, Taylor Swift wrote in a lengthy Tumblr post in June of 2019, detailing her experience with bullying music executives, trying to buy the rights to her master recordings, and the specifics of record deals. Taylor Swift is an artist who has skyrocketed to the very highest level of pop star fame, and she owes it all to her undeniably catchy pop songs. She started out learning to play the guitar and sing at a young age, and began writing songs at age 12. She signed her first record deal with Big Machine Records at 15. Making a full crossover from country to pop, she has truly put in the work that turned her into the giant pop star she is today. She writes and co-writes all of her songs and now even directs her own music videos. Swift is one of the best-selling artists worldwide and one of the most successful female recording artists of the 2010s, winning Grammy and Billboard Music Awards in the double digits. She's also considered to be one of the highest-earning celebrities at the moment with a worth of $185 million. But something's not right in her universe, and in fact, she's been going through a legal and personal battle for some time now. Some of you may have seen the ripples of this across social media over the past year. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about Taylor Swift's complex battle for the rights to her song's master recordings. On June 30th of 2019, Taylor Swift's Tumblr post explaining her disappointment with Scooter Braun's acquisition of her old record label and a betrayal by her former friend and record label executive Scott Borchetta blew up, and suddenly everyone wanted to know what master recordings were and why they're so important. In her post, she said that Scooter Braun was an incessant manipulative bully, and he now owned all of her masters. According to Swift, he was the last person she wanted to own and control her music, explaining that, essentially, my musical legacy is about to lie in the hands of someone who tried to dismantle it. Never in my worst nightmares did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter. The deal she refers to in her post was in an announcement from Big Machine Label Group on June 28th. Scott Borchetta is the founder of Big Machine Records, her former record label, which had recently been acquired 
for $300 million by Scooter Braun's company Ithaca Holdings. Scooter Braun is an executive, investor, and talent agent who manages artists like Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, and Kanye West, who Swift has had many well-documented issues with. Apparently, Borchetta knew how much Swift disliked Braun, saying, Any time Scott has heard the name Scooter Braun escape my lips, it was either because I was crying or trying not to. Taylor has accused both Borchetta and Braun of bullying and manipulating her, as well as keeping her in the dark about this deal, and not alerting her that Big Machine was being sold and to whom. For some background, Swift's last six studio albums were recorded and released through Big Machine, but she split with them in 2018 and is now signed with Universal Music Group's Republic Records. Before the split, she had been trying to buy her old master recordings from Big Machine for years, but Scott Borchetta repeatedly refused to sell them to her. At some point, there were talks of a deal between Swift and Borchetta that would allow her to earn an old album's rights back for every new album she released with Big Machine. But in order for that to happen, she had to sign a 7-10 to year contract with them to lock that in. So what are master recordings exactly? In the music business, there are many ways you can make money from a song or an album. A master recording is the sound recording of the original version of a song. A song is recorded, mixed, and mastered, and then ready for publishing. A master is the version that all additional copies are made from. With an original song, there are two main parts that someone can profit from. It's broken down like this. There's a master recording, which is the original audio recording of the song, from which record labels and artists can earn master recording revenues like music sales and digital performance royalties from streaming. Then there's the musical composition of the song, which is made up of lyrics and notes. Songwriters, composers, and publishers earn money from this portion through performance royalties, which is paying for the right to play a composition in a public performance or on the radio, in a bar or restaurant, and mechanical royalties, which are the physical sales of the work as well as through certain streaming services. Because Swift is credited as a songwriter on all of her songs and is also a performer, she would benefit from both of these parts of the song, the master and the composition royalties. For example, take a song like Bad Blood from Swift's album 1989. That song was recorded in 2014, and the original master recording was used for everything released on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, vinyl, etc. All of what you're hearing when you listen to that song, wherever you listen to it, is coming from that original master recording. And that money earned from the master goes back to the record label, who then divides up the profits. What makes a master recording so important is it's basically like having the power to decide who can make, sell, and distribute that music. If someone wants to license Swift's music for a sample, to use in a film or an ad, they must now ask Braun's permission and also pay him for that right. This type of use requires a music synchronization license, but it's often referred to as sync or sync license which is a license granted by the holder of the copyright of a particular composition, allowing the licensee to synchronize the music with some kind of visual media output, like film, TV, commercials, and video games. I can definitely see how Taylor Swift would be concerned about how her music is being used and who will be profiting from its use. Taylor affirmed in the past Borchetta gave her an opportunity to earn one album back at a time for every new album she recorded and released. 
She thought it seemed like it would take such a long time, and ultimately she would have to keep making new music for Big Machine for years. She explained her decision, saying, I walked away because I knew once I signed that contract, Scott Borchetta would sell the label, thereby selling me and my future. I had to make the excruciating choice to leave behind my past. Music I wrote on my bedroom floor and videos I dreamed up and paid for from the money I earned playing in bars, then clubs, then arenas, then stadiums. In 2018, Swift broke it off with Big Machine and signed with Universal Music Group's Republic Records. After that, she knew Borchetta would retaliate by selling the label, but she never thought it would be to Scooter. In the contract with her new label, it specifically stated that she owns the rights to all of her master recordings. She also made a provision in her contract that any sale of Universal Music Group's shares on Spotify result in a distribution of money to their artists, which is non-recoupable. That means artists will receive money from the shares sold, even if they still owe their label money from unrecovered advances. This stipulation definitely benefits all artists on that label and not just Swift. Sony is another label that gave artists money when they cashed out their Spotify shares, but Warner Music did not. Therefore, the money that they got from the shares went right back to the label in the end. The decision to move on to another label under her own terms was extremely smart, but that still doesn't make up for the many albums and music she's released over the years that are not under her control anymore. All of her previous albums prior to the record label switch are owned by Big Machine and ultimately controlled by Scooter Braun. Yet Lover, her most recent album, was released on Republic, and according to the deal she made with them, she'll get to make money from that album and future recordings as well and determine how that music is used. This isn't a typical deal for most artists in the music industry. Not a lot of them have the power or influence that Swift has. Her music is so popular and makes a lot of money for labels. This allows her to dictate her own terms moving forward. Although she may have started a trend by making the terms to her record deal so public, and more musicians may begin to ask for the rights to their masters in the future. As she predicted, shortly after her signing with Republic Records, Scott Borchetta sold the company, giving her no chance to buy her recordings back. She only learned about the purchase after the news went public and said, He knew what he was doing. They both did. Controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them. In perpetuity. That means forever. The reason Swift has been at odds with Braun over the past few years is because of his involvement with Kanye West. Since 2009, there's been an ongoing feud between Swift and West, and Braun was Kanye West's former manager. Swift specifically shared her ongoing problems with West in her Tumblr post, explaining, like when Kim Kardashian orchestrated an illegally recorded snippet of a phone call to be leaked and then Scooter got his two clients together to bully me online about it, or when his client Kanye West organized a revenge porn music video which strips my body naked. What she's talking about is, in February 2016, West released the song Famous, which appears on his album Life of Pablo, and the song's lyrics go like this. I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Why? I made that bitch famous. Of course, the song drew a lot of attention and criticism, and West defended himself by saying that Taylor approved the lyrics over a phone call. Swift's team insisted she was not told about the specific lyrics and did not give her blessing to a song with such a strong misogynistic message. 
Things really got intense when Kim Kardashian West, Kanye's wife, released a video showing Kanye on the phone with Swift, asking permission to use the line, and Swift giving him her blessing. It must be said that the video does not show Swift approving West using the word bitch. In June 2019, Kanye West released the video for Famous, which depicted the nude likenesses of 12 celebrities in bed together, including Swift posed next to Kanye and Kim. This video was made without Swift and the other celebrities' consent. During the time of Swift's feud with Kanye, Braun was his manager, so he was most likely somehow involved in the making of the video and the publicity for it. And that's a big part of the reason why Swift doesn't want Scooter Braun to own her music. The drama surrounding this issue has definitely attracted many celebrities to take sides. Of course, Taylor has the unwavering support of her fan base, along with Halsey, Iggy Azalea, Ed Sheeran, and Selena Gomez, who have all publicly stood by Swift. Justin Bieber, Demi Lovato, and Sia have sided with Braun on this issue. Bieber said that Swift was being unfair to Braun, and Lovato has repeatedly described Braun as a good man who has helped her out very much. But keep in mind, Lovato and Bieber are also being managed by Braun, so it's in their interest to speak well about him. Scott Borchetta did eventually respond to Swift by addressing the issue on Big Machine's website, with the post titled, So It's Time for Some Truth. He explained that he did give Taylor the chance to buy back her masters under certain terms, citing personal screenshots, but saying in the end she chose to leave, and along with her departure, she lost the chance to earn back her music. Borchetta also argued that he did not blindside Swift with the deal, because her father is a shareholder in the company and would have been notified prior to the acquisition. Also, Borchetta said he personally told Swift about the sale of the company by text the night before it was announced to the public. During this very public dialogue about Swift's recordings, Kelly Clarkson suggested to Taylor that she re-record the entire catalog of music she released on Big Machine, therefore creating a new master recording that she owns. That way, she can profit and control where that music is used without any association to Big Machine. Last August, Swift explained on CBS Sunday Morning that she's absolutely going back to the studio to re-record. In November of 2019, Swift accused Braun and Borchetta of preventing her from performing her old songs on TV for her upcoming appearance at the AMA Awards. She said that Big Machine banned her from performing her catalog live, as it would be considered re-recording her older music before she's legally allowed to. She was also set to appear in an upcoming Netflix documentary, which would most likely use her music as well. On social media, she wrote about the dilemma, saying this is wrong. Neither of these men had a hand in writing those songs. They did nothing to create the relationship I have with my fans. Please let Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun know how you feel about this. Shortly after that, on November 22nd, Scooter finally made a statement to Swift in an Instagram post. He claimed he had received numerous death threats directed towards him and his family due to Swift's recent call to action. He felt frustrated and forced to address things publicly with her, believing there had been a miscommunication between them, and he hoped that they could talk it out directly and fix things. He also spoke about the upcoming AMA Awards, saying that she could perform any song she wanted and didn't require permission to do so. He closed out the post with a screenshot of a message someone sent to him that threatens his family. 
So far, Swift has not publicly responded to Braun, despite his many attempts to contact her through an attorney and mutual friends. Taylor Swift did end up performing at the AMAs, opening up the performance with The Man, a single from her new album, Lover, while wearing a shirt covered in her previous album's names that are still owned by Big Machine. She then transitioned to a gold-sequined outfit and performed a medley of her songs pre-Lover, including I Knew You Were Trouble, Blank Space, Shake It Off, Closing It Out with Lover. At the AMAs, she was also awarded Artist of the Year for the fifth time. Also, Miss Americana, the documentary Netflix released about Swift earlier this year, featured many of her older songs, along with some new singles from Lover. I suppose Swift and Big Machine reached an agreement about the use of her old songs, or, as Braun said, she was always allowed to perform or feature her old music, and he would never prevent her from doing so. Speaking of Lover, her seventh studio album, which was released in August of last year, it's been very successful so far. And in her video for the single The Man, which she directed, she plays Tyler Swift, a male version of herself. The overall vibe of the video seems to speak to the way the music industry has treated her over the years because of her gender. In the video, there are several references seemingly directed at insulting Scooter Braun and Scott Borchetta, including No Scooters Allowed signs and her previous album's name spray-painted on a subway wall with a missing sign exclaiming, If found, return to Taylor Swift. I understand her concern and feelings of betrayal. I mean, after all, she's been signed with Big Machine since she was a teenager and no doubt has developed a strong relationship with them over the years. So it must have been surprising that she would have to fight that hard for her recordings and also have someone close to her make a decision that seemed so inconsiderate and hurtful. But in a time where she's one of the music industry's biggest stars and she's thriving, she's making more money than ever, I can see why this was a business deal that Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun wanted to make. Swift is a really valuable asset that they could profit from for a very long time. So far, I haven't seen any flagrant use of Taylor's older records by Scooter Braun in the media, and we really don't know his intentions other than to make money. In a way, Swift may help other musicians by making it more normal for them to speak out about issues involving their contracts, and may make artists owning their own master recordings more of the norm in the industry. This isn't the first time Swift has helped out other artists while taking a stand for herself. In 2015, she called out Apple saying that they should compensate their artists for all music played during the three-month free trial given to Apple Music users. Apple later announced that they would honor Swift's request. So, has Taylor re-recorded any of her songs yet? She told Billboard in December that every week we get a dozen sync requests to use Shake It Off in some advertisement or blank space in some movie trailer, and we say no to every single one of them. Swift added, The reason I'm re-recording my music next year is because I do want my music to live on. I do want it to be in movies, I do want it to be in commercials, but I only want that if I own it. She has confirmed that she will begin re-recording in November of this year. By Swift posting and speaking so publicly about this issue, the fight for her masters has become highly publicized. She may not win her old masters back, but everyone will sure know about it, and it also puts the spotlight on Braun and Borchetta. The publicity of this alone invited many people to comment on the matter, and the fact that Taylor revealed all of this to her fans could be by design to put pressure on Braun. 
the attention she receives may give her some leverage in this battle, and at least she can re-record her songs as she previously stated. She will continue to release new music unassociated with Big Machine, but has made it very clear that throughout all of this, she is still interested in acquiring her old catalog. And if she can't, she won't be quiet about it. The Motion is written, produced, and recorded by me, Eddie. Music by Machinima Sound. Give us a follow on Twitter at The Motion Pod and on Instagram at Listen to the Motion. Thank you so much for listening to The Motion. Show your support by subscribing and sharing this podcast. You can also leave us a five-star rating and review. If you have topics or questions you think we should cover on future episodes or seasons, please send us an email at themotionpod at gmail.com. I've had Motionless, an album by Cold Showers, on repeat lately. What are you listening to? Tweet us at themotionpod. We've got one more episode of the season left, so be sure to tune in.